Welcome to the Metagenics Clinical Podcast, where natural healthcare practitioners can hear innovative, cutting-edge information from leading experts from around the world. Welcome to the Metagenics Clinical Podcast. I'm Nathan Rose, naturopath and technical education manager for Metagenics. In this podcast, we hear from Dr. John Cannell, MD. Dr. Cannell is the founder and the current executive director of the non-for-profit organization, the Vitamin D Council. John has been passionate about raising the awareness of the importance of vitamin D and sensible sun exposure for nearly 15 years. He's written many peer-reviewed papers on vitamin D and speaks frequently across the United States on the subject. Dr. Cannell has served the medical field as a general practitioner, emergency physician, and a psychiatrist. In this podcast, Dr. Cannell discusses his research, which suggests that a vitamin D deficiency plays a causative role in autism. John describes how a vitamin D deficiency explains many of the epidemiological and pathophysiological features of autism. Dr. Cannell goes on to show how the broad actions of vitamin D can address the key processes in autism. Importantly, we look at the preliminary clinical trials on vitamin D administration on both the prevention and treatment of autism, giving hope to clinicians and parents that a simple intervention may provide significant benefit to the child. Thanks, Dr. Canal, for joining us. So today I want to talk to you about uh, the role of vitamin D in autism. And you released a, published a paper in 2008 in Medical Hypothesis that I thought was fascinating. Can you tell me how you got to that point of looking at vitamin D in autism? Uh, well, um, I had become uh, obsessed with vitamin D and I... Uh, read every study that came out about it. Uh, and uh, I learned that um, vitamin D is not a vitamin. It's a pro-hormone made in the skin. And then I learned that vitamin D is a steroid hormone, which is very important to understand. Your body is regulated with proteins. And uh, vitamin D... Uh, regulates 2,000 of those proteins. That is, there's 2,000 genes that vitamin D helps regulate. So knowing those two facts, oh, oh, and knowing also that when you go out and sunbathe for half an hour, you get between 10 and 20,000 units of vitamin D. So those three facts uh, led me to conclude that there must be some uh, problem that has come up uh, since we have uh, started lathering on the sunblock and staying inside, etc. And um, uh, so um, I, I looked around and and found autism and and studied autism for a while. And one day I was in the mall and I saw these toddlers uh, in their carriages. And they were being weaned, not on milk, like I was and everybody in the country was in the, in the 40s and 50s. But they were being weaned on juice. And uh, although the 100 micrograms per 8-ounce glass of milk doesn't sound like a lot for an adult, and it's not, but it's, uh, it's a significant amount for a toddler. In an infant. So I thought to myself, well, where are these, 
where are these infants and toddlers getting their vitamin D? I mean, they don't go out in the sun. Their skin was pasty white. Their parents slap on the sunblock if they're going to be outside at all. Uh, these, I, I doubted that these toddlers ate much salmon or seagull eggs or reindeer meat or anything that has vitamin D in it. Um, and there's no significant vitamin D in diet uh, for children, basically, except for milk, which they weren't drinking. So then I said, well, you know, as, as uh, sun exposure has gone down, autism has gone up. And when you look at the curves, it's uh, pretty, they're pretty impressive. Now, that doesn't prove anything. There's lots of things that have changed in the last 30 years. Um, and at first, um, my questions were answered by saying there is no autism epidemic. It's just that we're uh, diagnosing children correctly now. And I thought about that for a while, and I said, well, that means that back in the 60s, that the teachers and parents and pediatricians were missing autism. And autism is not a subtle condition. You know, children who meet the criteria for autism are severely impaired, and it's not reasonable to think that the pediatricians and the parents and the school teachers were missing all these kids. Um, so, uh, I concluded that, that a, a significant portion of this increased rate in autism uh, was due to a true increase in incidence. And then everybody told me that um, autism was genetic. And I thought to myself, okay, how exactly does a genetic illness uh, increase 20-fold in 20 years? when the people with the condition are unlikely to mate and unlikely to marry and thus unlikely to pass their genes down. So uh, the geneticist could not answer that question. Um, and so then I started to look for epidemiological data uh, that autism may be involved um, with vitamin D. Uh, and um, I found a study that showed that if you live in the country, you're half as likely to get autism as if you live in the city. And that's very similar to rickets, which has that gradient uh, from urban to rural. And then I found a study that showed that the incidence of autism in Oregon, Washington and uh, is... Uh, higher in the cloudy areas than in the sunny areas. Um, then uh, I came across the Williams syndrome, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S. And uh, I'd seen a case of Williams syndrome in medical school, and these kids uh, have what is called the unautistic phenotype. And by that, I mean they're the opposite of autistic kids. 
they are incredibly outgoing. They're not afraid of strangers. They have good eye contact. They initiate conversations, etc. Um, uh, just the things that children with autism don't do. So I looked more into the Williams syndrome, and by by heavens, it turns out that the Williams syndrome is characterized by very high levels of vitamin D in infancy. Uh, so I said to myself, well, that's a kind of a natural experiment. What do you do? What happens when you give a lot of vitamin D in infancy? And that is you get unautistic children. Um, and um, there, there was also uh, uh, a, a mechanism. Now, vitamin D has effects on testosterone and estrogen. Actually, estrogen has an effect on, test, on uh, vitamin D. And uh, uh, what happens is testosterone reduces the amount of vitamin D that's metabolized, whereas estrogen tends to increase the amount of vitamin D that's metabolized. And that, in my opinion, explains the uh, five-to-one ratio that's seen in uh, autism, five uh, boys to, to one girl. Um, and uh, so I, uh, I, I wrote this up and um, uh, got uh, um, some response. For a while, it was the most downloaded paper uh, in, uh, in the journal's uh, history. Now, yeah. they stopped taking that they've stopped assessing those sort of things. And so I don't know where it is in terms of, of how many people have read it, but there's been a lot that's happened since I wrote that paper. Um, and uh, one thing uh, that's happened is uh, an Egyptian group uh, in 2012 found that vitamin D levels were inversely related to autism severity. The higher your vitamin D levels, the lower your uh, autism rating scale. And the, the R was like 0.86. It was a strong correlation. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and then there were all these studies that were written uh, about uh, what's the level of vitamin D in autistic children versus the level in a control population. And I think the last time I checked, there were 15 studies, and 12 of them show that uh, children with autism have lower levels of vitamin D than do control children. Um, and uh, then... Uh, a friend of mine uh, published a study um, in which he, he got women who had all, already had one autistic child. And what he did is he gave 5,000 IU to this woman while she's pregnant. These, these are women who want to have another child, despite the fact that there's a 20% chance that it'll, it'll be autistic. So they they wanted to have children. They were explained how vitamin D may help reduce the incidence of, uh, of autism. And 
Um, there were about 30 of these women who took 5,000 units a day. And then when their child was born, they gave the child a, a thousand units a day up until the age of three when they assessed the children for autism. And what they found is instead of 20% incidence, there was a 5% incidence, which is a, a big difference. And, and that was the first study that gave any evidence that vitamin D will uh, prevent autism or prevent some most cases of autism. That's uh, very encouraging. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And were you saying last time we caught up that um, th those five percent that were positive, for want of a better term, uh, it was very mild their their symptoms, perhaps? Yeah, the five the five percent who had it uh, had mild symptoms. In fact, uh, they were positive on one test and negative on another test. So um, uh, uh, it was uh, it was unclear to me that. Would you, sit, with your sort of protocols and views on vitamin D dosing, uh, even though a thousand may, oh, you may sound reasonably high in an infant, in this sort of, um, you know, at-risk population, would have you uh, maybe thought of even doing higher doses in these infants? Well, uh, there's guidance for that uh, in that this, uh, this Egyptian group published an open-label trial of uh, 80 children with autism using 300 IU per kilogram per day, which would be equivalent to me taking 30,000 units a day. So it's a, it's a hefty dose of vitamin D. Um, or 5,000 units a day, uh, whichever came first. Um, so if they got... Um, and what they found is that 80% of the children who took the vitamin D had improved symptoms, and about 50% of them lost the diagnosis entirely. Fantastic. Um, now, the same group has uh, a paper that they've submitted, um, which I'm a co-author on, and it's the first randomized controlled trial of vitamin D. And again, they're using uh, 300 IU per kilogram per day, uh, up to 5,000 units a day. And uh, by the way, with that dosing, the autistic kids only got into the 40s. Which is around about 100 nanomoles per liter. Uh, they only got up to about 100 nanomoles per liter. You would think uh, taking yeah. 5,000 IU as a child, you're going to get you know, uh, up into the 80s or 90s, but that didn't happen. It was in the 40s. In fact, the highest kid out of the 80 uh, was 51. So um, that dose is, uh, uh, is a safe. In fact, I would recommend uh, that if you have a child with autism, get the 5,000 IU capsules of vitamin D, and you can get them uh, through Biotech Pharmacal, um, which on online Biotech, T-E-C-H, Pharmacal, P-H-A-R-M-A-C-A-L, um, and uh, give the autistic child 5,000 units a day. And then in about two to three months, either have blood drawn for vitamin D level 
or go to our website and buy one of the in-home vitamin D level test kits that we sell for, I think, $60. Um, uh, and we have the least expensive test kit on the market for in-home use. They're, they're um, a point, like a, a spot test, is it not? And you can dry blood from that. So uh, it's easy to administer on you know, a sensitive autistic child and, and also the distance from Australia for the um, processing, it's stable? Uh, yes, it's stable. It's shipped to uh, um, blood spots have been shown to be very stable over both time and uh, temperature. This randomized controlled trial that's uh, been submitted uh, showed about the same thing that the open label trial did. About 80% of the kids on the vitamin D responded and about 50% of them lost the diagnosis according to the childhood autism rating scale. Um, Fantastic. So, uh, uh, I think that if I think all pregnant women should actually take 10,000 units a day, they should breastfeed and continue to take 10,000 units a day while they're breastfeeding. That will ensure that their milk has adequate levels of vitamin D. And then when the kid is weaned, they should give them um, uh, at least 200 IU per kilogram per day. Um, you know, up until they're 21, uh, that would be, you, you really, and, and the, the days you go to the beach and, and sunbathe, you don't have to take any vitamin D, but most people don't go to the beach and sunbathe every day. So Yeah, sure. And um, tell me about your early sort of anecdotal or, you know, case, case by case uh, experience with, you know, starting to administer vitamin D. Yeah, so about, Four years ago or so, I had a free uh, sort of autism online uh, clinic, and uh, uh, we have uh, 71,000 subscribers to our newsletter. So I just announced in the newsletter that uh, for free, I would uh, help educate the parents about um, uh, vitamin D and autism. And, and um, we had, uh, I don't know, maybe 50 uh, people call usually the mothers and I would get a baseline vitamin D and they were usually low, you know, uh, occasionally five, six, seven nanograms per milliliter, but more likely uh, 13, 14, 15 nanograms per milliliter, which is uh, about 35 nanomoles per liter. Uh, yeah, right. And uh, uh, the, the, the children responded. So some children didn't respond at all. So there are, it's clear to me that some children will not respond to vitamin D. Whether their case of, whether that's because it was uh, uh, truly congenital, as that they were, something happened in the womb that permanently injured their brain, or whether or not it's because they were vitamin D deficient in the womb. Um, uh, is uh, I don't know. It, it seems unlikely to me that vitamin D is going to explain all of autism. It won't. Yep. And just yeah, onto that. Um, tell me about all the actions of vitamin D. How it does seem to cover most of the you know pathophysiological features of autism with the inflammation and uh, glutathione yes. and uh, so forth. Um. 
vitamin D is involved uh, with uh, brain development in uh, uh, many ways. Um, one way it's involved is there are um, uh, vitamin D repair proteins that are in uh, the body. And uh, so far it's been discovered that five of those proteins uh, are coded for by a gene that has a vitamin D response element on the gene, indicating that that gene is regulated by vitamin D. So um, uh, these uh, repair proteins, DNA repair proteins, the ones that have been discovered to date uh, are regulated by vitamin D. And this could be one uh, 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 one mechanism by which uh, um, uh, vitamin D helps autism. Is, uh, it helps uh, sub subnormal levels of repair enzymes. Another is similar in that it involves DNA, but it, it has to do with DNA stability. DNA is a inherently unstable uh, a, um, a situation that is uh, uh, that uh, has oxidative and toxic ox, oxidative stress and toxic damage. Um, and uh, so, so that's another way is, is to promote DNA stability. Then um, there are hundreds of articles now in the literature about the anti-inflammatory effect vitamin D has. It, it upregulates anti-inflammatory anti um, um, proteins and it downregulates inflammatory proteins. Um, and uh, it's more than just one uh, protein that is affected. It's, it's many that are affected in the inflammatory uh, uh, pathways. Um, the other way that vitamin D helps uh, autism is through the fact that autism appears to be an autoimmune disorder. That is, the majority of children with autism have antibodies in their body that is that is that are attacking their brain uh, and um, vitamin D uh, um, upregulates um, many of the uh, um, the uh, pro proteins in the immune system that uh, protect against autoimmune disease so um, for example, a recent study showed that uh, uh, when children with autism were supplemented with vitamin D, uh, their inflammatory markers uh, decreased. So um, uh, another thing is uh, a lot of people don't realize that about 25% of children with autism have seizures, that is, they have epilepsy. And uh, uh, vitamin D... Uh, uh, increases the seizure threshold. That is, it uh, acts as an anti-epileptic medication. Um, 
and, and this is significant. Uh, seizures are reduced in, uh, there's one study that showed that there was a 40% reduction in seizures and they had inadequate vitamin D. Um, another thing that's important, it's called T regulatory cells. And T regulatory cells are, or uh, they work through the immunomodulatory effect of vitamin D, uh, basically tr again quelling uh, in inflammation. Um, and uh, there have been a randomized controlled trial uh, that showed that vitamin D increased Treg, uh, uh, that is T regulatory cells. Uh, in a normal population. There are also hormones uh, and proteins in the body called neurotropins that regulate uh, uh, brain development. And um, several of those neurotropins are upregulated up to five-fold times by uh, activated vitamin D. Um, there's also uh, mitochondrial aspects to vitamin D, and there's evidence that uh, vitamin D protect, I'm sorry, the mitochondrial aspects of autism, and there's evidence that, that vitamin D uh, helps protect mitochondria from oxidative stress. And, um, and then uh, finally, uh, there's... Uh, uh, evidence that vitamin D is a significant uh, antioxidant. Uh, it upregulates a crucial um, uh, enzyme that makes glutathione. And glutathione is uh, uh, the body's master antioxidant. Um, uh, and the interesting, glut glutathione protects nerve cells uh, and it also uh, chelates heavy metals and removes them from the body. So, uh, it, so uh, uh, glutathione is particularly important. Um, Fantastic. <clears throat> so it's showing that um, also uh, superoxide dismutase and uh, thyrodoxin reductase are two other antioxidants. Fantastic. So it's showing that, um, yeah, vitamin D is a really pleiotropic uh, hormone and it's covering a lot of those areas which, you know, clinicians often, I suppose, try and target glutathione or mercury and, and so forth. So um, yes. while it's probably still good to, you know, use your standalone or your, your single agents to do those, um, it's probably very important to remember vitamin D covers a lot of those areas. So yeah. one of the areas I wanted to discuss, which is, um, you know, highly explored i suppose in autism is the role of the gut many autistic children have uh, gut issues and some feel that you know that their condition is driven by the gut how does does vitamin d play a role there and, and what's your views there on the microbiome and and things like the gluten-free diet children seem to gluten-free and casein-free seem to improve um so does vitamin d play a role in any of, any of that um, there was just a study that looked at um, uh, gluten-free diets, and it found that there was uh, no uh, effect of gluten-free diets on autism. But 
Um, that was only one study. And if parents find that gluten-free diets uh, help their children, then they should stay on gluten-free diets. I mean, when you have a child with autism, it seems to me that you should try everything you can as yeah. long as it's safe. I mean, uh, the amount of vitamin D I'm recommending is safe. Some people may not believe that, but it's true. I know it's true. Um, and uh, so if it's safe, and 5,000 IU for a three-year-old is safe, and the child is suffering from autism, why not give it? Yeah, exactly. And it's not too hard to administer neither, particularly if you can get them out in the sun. Right. And that that's actually one uh, clue uh, that led me. I met a woman uh, back in 2006 with a child with autism, and that child was outside all summer in the pool and inside all winter because of where they lived. And she said that, that, that her child's autism was virtually gone in September, but was terrible in February. And when I did my autism clinic, I asked parents about that, and maybe 10% of them responded uh, that, yes, their autism is better in the summer than the winter. But I also asked, do you let your kid go outside? And most of the parents said no. So... Yeah, it's interesting. We'll, we'll touch upon the um, amount of time there in the sun in a moment. So back to the, the gut, I think you uh, cited some evidence about how vitamin D helps with things like IBS and even with um, GERD. So I think there might be a little bit of a connection there with the, the vitamin D and yes. the gut function. Uh, vitamin D has been shown in a recent randomized controlled trial uh, to help irritable bowel syndrome. I think something like... 40% of the people with irritable bowel syndrome were helped with vitamin D, significantly helped. And these were severe cases, so it was, a, it was an important study. Um, um, and in, in terms of diet, um, lots of green leafy vegetables and lots of vegetables that are colorful, um, salmon, um, if the child will eat it. Um, but what I uh, really recommend if you, you have a child who has autism and you want to be serious is to go to Biotech Pharmacal's website. And to do that, just type in capital D and then a three as a numeral three and then the word plus, P-L-U-S, D3 plus. And two or three... Uh, websites down uh, on the, the, the search engine, you'll find the, the website for Biotech Pharmacal. And click on that, and then find the D3+. Plus. And D3+, Plus, which I designed, uh, has vitamin D's cofactors in it. Uh, magnesium, uh, zinc, uh, boron, and vitamin K2. And just get those capsules. Three capsules are 5,000 IU. So one capsule will only give you 1,700 IU. So you need to take three capsules, cut them in half with the scissors, twirl out the contents into a smoothie, make a fruit smoothie or something the child will eat, 
and uh, give it, give the vitamin D that way. Uh, you'll get better results that way than if you just use straight vitamin D, in my opinion. Fantastic. Can you tell me, I think it was zinc we were discussing last time, how zinc may be involved in vitamin D physiology? Yes. Um, the vitamin D receptor um, is like a glove, and there are fingers uh, to that glove. And at the base of every finger of the vitamin D receptor is a zinc molecule, or let me say it's supposed to be a zinc molecule. Now, zinc deficiency is not as common as things like magnesium deficiency or boron deficiency, but uh, there are plenty of children who do not get enough zinc. So that's why I had uh, Biotech Pharmacal added to D3+. Fantastic. Now, uh, so natural sort of sun exposure and uh, synthesizing vitamin D, you've got a really simple rule of thumb for determining if you're going to synthesize vitamin D from sun exposure. Can you talk me through that, please? Yeah. um, To to get uh, vitamin D from sun exposure, the sun has to be high enough up in the sky for the ultraviolet radiation to pierce the ozone atmosphere. So it's possible in Australia, uh, because of ozone depletion, uh, that there's um, uh, this wouldn't be true. But in the United States, uh, to get vitamin D from the sunlight, your shadow needs to be shorter than you are to make a lot of vitamin D. That when your shadow is shorter than you are, it means the sun is way up high in the sky, and that's a good time to sunbathe. Uh, and if you if you do sunbathe, only sunbathe for 10, 15, 20 minutes. Good. Uh, um, that's all you need. Uh, we recommend sunbathing for half the time it takes for your skin to become slightly pink. So um, uh, we're quite conservative with our recommendations about sunbathing. Um, but the, so people who take walks in the evening or in the early morning are not getting any vitamin D. Um, uh, so, and that's true, by the way, right, for distance runners. Uh, they tested the vitamin D levels of distance runners, and they were low. And nobody could explain it except the fact that they they uh, ran in the morning and the evening. Yeah, it's great. I think um, even the cyclists, professional cyclists, have found that. And is there something about like um, if you you know shower soon after sun exposure, particularly using soap and so forth, that we uh, potentially lose some of the oils and so forth and uh, diminish yeah. our vitamin D production? We will lose some of it, um, but the majority of vitamin D is made in the dermis. And okay. The vitamin D, this uh, taking a shower will not. Uh, uh, wipe that out. Let, let me just say also uh, to uh, listeners is I have a book about uh, autism. It's three o'clock. I, I have a book about autism and vitamin D. It's called Autism Causes Prevention and Treatment uh, Vitamin D Deficiency and the Explosive Rise of Autism Spectrum Disorder. So if you just Google my name, and autism and book, uh, you'll come to the website that sells it. It's also available on uh, Amazon. 
Fantastic. Check that out. So, yeah, thanks for the um, vitamin D synthesis tip. I've been um, admittedly probably obsessed about this over the years, trying to determine uh, with this shadow rule. And, uh, you know, we've got a pretty broad spectrum of latitudes in Australia from Darwin and Cairns, which um, you can pretty much synthesize vitamin D all year round. Southeast Queensland, where we're currently at you can do it yes. pretty much nine months of the year um, but as we get further down to sydney and melbourne and, and tasmania you're really getting six months worth so uh, i would encourage our listeners to to um just that simple rule of thumb of looking at your shadow and if it's shorter than you then you're probably more likely to uh synthesize vitamin d uh so in addition to we've covered like a bit of zinc and magnesium is there any other therapies you think that have evidence that you'd consider adding to you know a protocol for autism i think um yeah i think the evidence for magnesium is pretty good there's some evidence for uh b12 um there's some evidence for uh uh taking uh, glutathione uh, itself um, some evidence for N-acetylcysteine, which uh, basically allows for the production of more glutathione. Um, uh, the, the chelation, uh, many parents swear by it, but you know there aren't any randomized controlled trials of chelation, yeah, sure. so it's hard to know. But then it seems to me you're getting more on the spectrum of potential damage. Uh, um, you know, but but uh, you know, I I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. Okay, so great. those are the things I know. I, I'm uh, I'm an expert on vitamin D and autism, but I'm not an expert uh, on um, the uh, um, alternative treatment uh, of autism. Uh, right. So just to summarize your findings, you, anecdotally you found about two-thirds either responded, including a third got complete sort of remission, uh, another third got some really good improvements, and, and then the final third didn't get any changes. With the that research, would be accurate. Yeah. yeah, and then with the research, the Egyptian study, they got probably better results, would you say, um, yes. particularly if they got the blood levels over 100 nanomoles. So... Yes. Um, your target levels for blood in an autistic child, what would you shoot for? I'd shoot for 200 nanomoles per liter. Yeah, great. And so what can and we, you know, it's, I know it's difficult to tell with each child, but what things tend to improve first um, and, you know, what ages, like is it, is it never too late in terms of if you get a, a teenage child that's obviously had it the whole life? Um, have you found benefits even in those, you know, long-term cases? Yeah, I theoretically uh, it doesn't. Theoretically, it makes sense to me that the older you get, the less likely you're to respond to vitamin D. But I, I remember a 40-year-old um, man with autism called me and told me that vitamin D helped him tremendously. So I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, sorry, the um, improvements typically seen. What what? Uh, yeah. You had a bit of a, a view there that some things improve sooner than others. Yeah. What what improved the first were the uh, temper outbursts um, that are so common 
and uh, autism. The, the second uh, thing that improved is uh, the mothers in particular could tell that their child was no longer suffering as much. And, and that actually is one of the most difficult things with some autistic children is their suffering is so apparent and there's nothing the parent can do for it. So uh, uh, mothers were just thrilled that their child no longer seemed unhappy. Um, um, uh, next came the uh, <coughs> stereotypical behaviors, uh, flapping or stinning, it's called. Um, that those, those would uh, improve. And last would be speech, and that would take a number of months on vitamin D to start improving. But in the children who responded fully, it, it did respond. I, I'll tell you an interesting story about a woman who uh, wrote to me. She said uh, she read about vitamin D, and she gave it to her autistic child, and she was using liquid vitamin D and, and administering it with a dropper. And she said it was remarkable, you know, um, she doesn't need any other, no uh, cognitive behavioral services, no speech therapy, nothing. All she needs is the vitamin D. And I asked her how much she's giving, and she said one dropper full a day. And, uh, of course, it's supposed to be one drop a day. One drop of full is 30 times one drop. So uh, I don't know how many tens of thousands of IUs of vitamin D this child was getting, but um, it, it seemed to indicate that dose is important. And it's, it's quite possible that in 10 years, people will be, uh, you know, getting kids' levels up to uh, 200, 220, et cetera. I, I don't know. Right. It's fascinating. Um, and I probably should uh, promote, you've got some great uh, case studies on your vitamin D website. We'll put some links there. We'll put some links to your book. Uh, okay, well, that's been fantastic sharing all that knowledge. So just to wrap up, we want to uh, try and get the blood levels at you know over 100, potentially up to 200 nanomoles per litre. Uh, try that for three months. You can try the uh, blood spot test and then maybe consider other nutrients, zinc and magnesium, K and boron and so forth. Yes. Fantastic. Now, just before we go, uh, it's probably good that you can remind us of the Vitamin D Council and, and where that's at and what your plans are for the, the Vitamin D Council. Yeah, um, uh, I started the Vitamin D Council in 2002, so 14 years ago, and uh, started writing blogs about vitamin D, and our blogs are simply distillation of scientific studies. Um so that, uh, you know, somebody not in the science or medicine field can understand it. And uh, uh, it, it has grown from uh, 10 subscribers to 71,000 subscribers. Uh, and we're getting one to 2,000 new subscribers a month. Um, and our website uh, gets uh, 4 million uh, unique users per year. So, um, and we're all about simply educating people about the importance of vitamin D and anything we sell, which is at this time only the vitamin D test kit, but anything we sell has to be related to vitamin D uh, for a nonprofit status. 
So uh, it's an educational um, educational website, and you can learn more about vitamin D than you care to know. To, <laughs> yeah, you've got some great um, your newsletters are fascinating. I don't, I don't know where you find all that research, but it's fantastic. And so you've got what three employees um, and yeah, nonprofits. So if our listeners can um, consider donating, it'd be fantastic. Actually, four now. Four, oh, brilliant. Yeah, with all those uh, visitors and all that research, I understand. Well, John, I really appreciate your time. Actually, it's your second time around. You've donated a lot of time. The first time we had a bit of a technical failure. So I really appreciate the fact you've um, spent hours with me educating me on autism and vitamin D and uh, hopefully you can continue to spread the word and we look forward okay. to what you have uh, in the future. Thanks for having me. Thank you.